This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and good evening. It's time for another visit to Summerfield, where the great Gildersleeve is the water commissioner. The town's in the midst of elections, and Gildy is in a betting mood. <laughs> Kraft presents the great Gildersleeve. Yeah. <laughs> Cheese Company, makers of parquet margarine and the complete line of famous quality food products, presents Harold Perry as the Great Gildersleeve. Kraft brings you the Great Gildersleeve every week at this same time, written by John Wheaton and Sam Moore, music by Claude Sweeten. Summerfield and the Great Gildersleeve. Like every other town in the land, Summerfield finds itself on the eve of a national election. Well, so it goes. But the hottest discussion in Summerfield seems to be over the campaign for mayor. So let's drop into the office of the newly reappointed water commissioner and listen in. Don't make me laugh, Judge. Don't make me laugh. Terwilliger may be no rose, but whoever heard of Welsh? Welsh doesn't stand a chance. There, I must beg leave to differ. Art Welsh will be elected mayor of Summerfield on Tuesday next. Art Welsh will be the forgotten man on Tuesday next. Welsh will be elected mayor. You said that before. I say it again. <laughs> Judge, put up or shut up. I'll make you conservative bet of $1,000 and Welsh doesn't come within a mile of being elected. I'll bet you 5000 that he wins with a plurality of over 800 I'll bet you a million he doesn't. I'll bet you $5 million he doesn't. I'll bet you $10 million he doesn't. Well, now you're just talking like a fool. All right, is it a bet? Yeah, it's a bet. $10 million. $10 million. <laughs> Look, Judge, if you want to bet, let's bet. 50 cents? <laughs> I never bet money on elections. You're afraid. It's against my principles. Judge, if Cyrus P. Terwilliger is not re-elected mayor of this town on Tuesday next, I will personally push a peanut up the middle of Market Street with my nose. My friend, you've got a bet. Uh, make it State Street. Market Street's got cobblestones. (laughs) 
Bertie. Miss Marjorie, your uncle's home. Ain't nothing wrong, is it, Miss Gilsey? Wrong? No, why? I just knocked off early because there's nothing being accomplished down in my office. Nothing but a lot of political discussion, and I'm sick of it. Sure is a lot of that. I had it out with the milkman, the ice man, the garbage man, the man that just got lost. Well, my dear? You didn't get fired again. Certainly not. Why do you ask? Well, you're home so early. Leroy isn't even home yet. I came home because I thought I'd take the afternoon off, if nobody minds. Besides, with this darn election, I can't seem to keep my mind on my work anyway. Uh, what's for dinner, Bertie? Well, dinner ain't for several hours yet. I know. I merely asked. Well, sir, I thought we might have a little lamb this evening. We had a little lamb last night, Bertie. <laughs> yes, sir, but this is a return engagement. Yes, sir. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. No, lamb is good. I merely mentioned it. Hi. Hi, Leroy. Leroy, aren't you home? Mom, what happened? Did you get fired again? Fired? Let me make it clear to everybody once and for all, I did not get fired today or any other time. Is that clear? Yes, sir. The only time I got fired, I resigned. Uh, Mr. Gilsey, who are you going to vote for? Bertie, I'm casting my ballot for Cyrus P. Willinger. After he fired you out of the water department? A good citizen, my dear, puts his choice for public office above personal considerations. Besides, Terwilliger is also the man who gave me my job back. Let's not be forgetting that. Yeah, Uncle's right. You've got to figure all the angles. He's working for Terwilliger now, so he's got to vote the way he's told. That has nothing whatever to do with it. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> I am beholden to no man, Leroy. I arrived at this decision as the result of mature consideration and unbiased judgment. Well, I did. How is Judge Hooker voting? The judge is a big sorehead. He votes like a sore head. Forgive and forget. That's my motto. Oh, Mr. Gillsleeve, you hadn't ought to vote for that man. Bertie's right. I'm surprised at you, Uncle Morris. Who are you to be surprised at me, young lady? I'll ask you to remember I'm your uncle. If anybody's going to be surprised around here, I'll be surprised. Well, I don't care. Francie's father says Mayor Terwilliger is no good. That's right. He's no good. And if you don't believe it, ask the ice man. <laughs> Francie's father says Mayor Terwilliger is a disgrace to Summerfield I don't care what Francie's father says He says he wouldn't vote for Terwilliger if he was the last man on earth Well, I wouldn't vote for Francie's father, so there Ye gods, can't a man have any peace around here? I come home early from the office because I can't stand all the politics And what do I get? By George, I'm going out Bertie, what time is dinner? Well, I thought if you didn't mind, Mr. Gilsleeve, I got a meeting in my club tonight. And, oh? Uh, we were going to sort of run over the candidates and the issues, oh, so... Oh, my goodness. I thought if you didn't mind, we'd have dinner a little early, around 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 4 o'clock. Don't mind me. Maybe I'll be back and maybe I won't. Hi, Commissioner. Huh? Oh, hello, Floyd. Where are you tearing off to? Nowhere, Floyd. Just trying to get a little peace and quiet. Well, come on in here. I'll give you a hot towel. Well, hot towel sounds good. You'll promise not to sell me any politics along with it. Uh, don't worry. Here, let me have your coat. Okay. There. Climb right up in the chair and lay down, Commissioner. Thank you. <sighs> this wouldn't be a bad place to spend the day. Well, suit yourself. We can start at the top of the price list and give you the works. Just a hot towel, Floyd. But keep it nonpartisan. That's me. I'm going to vote for Artie Welch, but I'll be quiet about it. Oh, the moonlight's fair tonight along the Wabash. Confounded, Floyd. Why Artie Welch? Thought you wanted to stay off that subject. Well, I do. But when I see a man planning to vote wrong, uh, Artie a customer of yours? Nope. Gets his hair cut over on State Street. 
Well, then I should think you'd vote for Terwilliger. Why don't you? Terwilliger don't tip. Terwilliger. Floyd, that's no way to analyze public issues. Issues? That's something else again. When it comes to foreign policy, I'm a regular H.V. Cottonborn. Well, I'll get that on the radio. I don't see how you figure that a man like Welch is qualified to be mayor of this town. Terwilliger is a real administrator. Mr. Gildersleeve, if I was Terwilliger's water commissioner, I'd say the same. That has nothing to do with it. Welch just doesn't measure up, that's all. How do you decide on a candidate anyway, Floyd? Just flip a coin? Now, Mr. Gildersleeve, I'm a pretty conscientious citizen. I got my own system of picking candidates, and it's a pretty good one. Yeah, what is it? Well, it involves the wife, Mr. Gildersleeve. Well, that's nothing to be ashamed of. That's fine. Good idea for a man and his wife to talk these things over. I guess you never met Mrs. Munson, did you? Uh, well, no, I never did. Why? Well, I don't like to knock her. She's okay, as women go. I never had any regrets, particularly. <laughs> of course, once in a while, she might pass a remark that's a little uncalled for, but then I'm no angel. She knows that, too. <laughs> What's all this got to do with voting? Oh, I'm coming to that. Like I say, the babe is okay most ways, keeps the house clean, she don't throw money around, and she's a fair cook, if you like everything fried. <laughs> But on politics, brother, they never should have given her the ballot. And why do you consult with her about your vote? I don't. I just ask her how she's going to vote, and I vote the opposite. <laughs> Lloyd, you're a political ignoramus. I ain't dumb enough to vote for Terwilliger. Oh, let me out of here. I thought you wanted a hot Let cat. me out of here. Ye gods, can't I go anyplace without having politics shoved down my throat? Phoebe, you're a reasonable man. Yeah, try to be. Let me sit here. Let me sit here and get a little peace and quiet, will you? Certainly. Any trouble at home, Mr. Gallagher? Well, not exactly, Phoebe. I was driven out of my house by a political argument, if you must know. I'm looking for a place where people don't argue with me about who's going to beat whose brains out tomorrow. Well, you're very welcome here. Thank goodness for one man that doesn't give a hoot about politics. No, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I've got my opinions, Mr. Gildersleeve. Yeah, well, just keep your opinions to yourself. Oh, I do. I believe in the secret ballot. Well, it's a great institution, the secret ballot, Peavy. Keystone of democracy. Uh, you voting for Terwilliger, Peavy? Terwilliger's well, an excellent man. <laughs> You wouldn't vote for Welch, though, would you? He's an excellent man. Terwilliger <laughs> is a fine administrator, though, Phoebe. I like the fellow's back of him, too. But who's back of Welch? I hear he has some very fine people supporting him. Confounded, Phoebe. To hear you talk, I'm beginning to think you're for Welch. Well, now, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> you're for Terwilliger. Well, I wouldn't say that, either. <laughs> There's only two people running for mayor, Phoebe. Who are you for? And for the secret ballot. <laughs> How can we discuss this sensibly if you won't tell me who you're for? Well, I prefer to listen to arguments for both candidates, Mr. Gildersleeve. So does Mrs. Peavy. <laughs> well, there aren't any arguments for Welsh, Peavy. People who vote for Welsh, Welsh are simply voting from blind prejudice. No, that's no argument, Mr. Gildersleeve. So Williger is a fine man. He has a fine record. He's been a public servant for 20 years. I'm very happy to endorse him personally. 
I'm coming from a water commissioner. That's no argument either. I resent that. Terwilliger has at no time attempted to influence my vote. What honesty. Why, that's an argument in itself. You think so? Well, here, Judge Hooker. Yeah, political spy. <laughs> what are you doing in here, you old goat? <laughs> what are you doing? Trying to get Phoebe to vote for your friend Terwilliger? We were discussing the situation pro and con. Well, Peavy, I'll give you the lowdown. Mr. Gildersleeve made a bet with me. If Terwilliger loses, Gildy's got to push a peanut up State Street with his nose. Now, that's something I'd like to see. Maybe I'll vote for Mr. Welch. Oh! <laughs> Hooker, you're an unscrupulous campaigner. <laughs> Don't forget, Gildy, all's fair in love and politics. Yeah. <laughs> Let me in, Eve. Let me in. They're after me. Oh, I don't see any... There. Well, who's after you? <laughs> Nobody. Joke. Oh, Throckmorton, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> what you doing, Eve? Oh, nothing, really. I just got home, and I built a fire, and I was going to make some tea, and just relax. Will you come in? Well, if you insist. Ah, uh, a crackling fire. Mm-hmm. Do you want to sit there? Well, I know. Uh, let's pull the sofa over, huh? Let's pull it up in front of the fire so we can... That's uh... not a sofa, Throckmorton. <laughs> it's a love seat. Who am I to argue? <laughs> <laughs> Here, well, I'll do that, Eve. Let me. Oh, you can't handle it all alone. No, you watch me. Nothing but a little... Uh, nothing but a little... Love seat. Uh. You're wonderful. Now, you sit down and enjoy the fire while I go and... Eve... I'll be right back. I'm just going to make the tea. Oh, forget the tea. Well, if you don't want it. That's the girl. Sit down. Hmm. <laughs> nice here, isn't it? Nice. Now, Throckmorton. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to have to keep reminding you we're not engaged anymore. Well, there's no harm in holding a girl's hand, is there? Just a friendly gesture. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't it? Not a thing. Very well, then. We agreed you remember that all that was over and done with. Over and done with. Seriously, Eve. You don't know what it means to me to be able to come here this afternoon and spend a few quiet moments with you. Far from the madding crowd. Far from strife and strain. A man needs that. I know. A man needs a place he can come to. A refuge. So nice and quiet here. So warm. So friendly. And you're so understanding. Now, Throckmorton. All right, we'll just hold on. <laughs> Maybe later, though, huh? Little kiss, if I'm good. We'll see. You know what I like to do? <laughs> I like to sit here in the afternoon with the radio on and listen to good music. Only there's so little good music on the radio these days. Nothing but politics. That's yeah, all you hear anyplace. By the way, Throckmorton, I haven't asked you, how are you voting? Ha, 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 ha. Now, Eve, I didn't come here to talk politics. But how are you voting? I'd like to know. Well, I'm voting for Terwilliger for mayor, Apted for Congress, so Lynch... 
Terwilliger, you're voting for Terwilliger. Well, I... Let go of my hand, Throckmorton. Oh, but Eve... Let go. Gosh, if it means so much to Eve, I'll vote for Welsh. Only don't spoil everything. I will not hold hands with a man whose political principles mean no more to him than that. Let go. Oh, nuts. There goes the whole darn afternoon. Ye gods, I wish this election were over. return to Summerfield in the Great Gildersleeve comes the dawn of Tuesday, November 7th, and what a day for an election. Since early morning, the rain has come down in torrents. Gildersleeve has spent a good part of the day standing at the front window waiting for the rain to let up and trying to summon up enough enterprise to go out in it. Now, in desperation, he goes to the phone and calls up Judge Hooker. Hello, Judge. Yeah, fine day for ducks. Look, Judge, I've been thinking. As long as the weather is so bad and you and I are going to vote on opposite sides anyway, why don't we make a deal? If you don't go to the polls, I won't go to the polls. In that way, we'll just cancel each other out. Yeah, how about it? Great. No use getting wet for nothing. Okay, Judge. Consider your vote canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. If I don't watch out, I'm going to be a genius. Why didn't I think of that before? Now I can go take a nap with a clear conscience. You mean you're not going to vote? You're not going to vote at all? Well, I don't need to, my dear. Yeah, it may be better than voting for Terwilliger at that. <laughs> the judge and I see just opposite on everything. So by staying away from the polls, we merely cancel out each other's vote. What if everybody in the country were as lazy as that? Laziness has nothing to do with it. Plain common sense. You see what the weather's like? Man could catch cold out there. <coughs> it's our duty in these times to... <laughs> our duty in these times to guard our health. Besides, I'm down to my last A ticket. Excuse me if I go out the front way, Mr. Gilsey. There's a lake around the back stoop. Oh, where are you going, Bertie? Going out to vote. I told you, Bertie, if you wait a little while, it'll clear up. I've waited all I can wait. I'm going to get down there before they run out of ballots. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that, Bertie. They got ballots enough for everybody. I don't care. If I was to wait, maybe I'd get took with appendicitis or something, so I couldn't vote. But if you go out, you'll get wet. Oh, a little water never hurt nobody. Got my umbrella and got my galoshes and I got my sample ballot. Well, gosh, Bertie, I'd be glad to drive you down there, but... I'm down to my last gas ticket. What's in the tank has got to last me till the new ones come due. Oh, that'll be all right, Mr. Gilsey. I don't mind. Tell you what, Bertie. Why don't you and Lily B. do what Judge Hooker and I are doing? Just cancel out each other's vote. No, Mr. Gilsey. You can't talk me out of it. My mind's made up. I got my candidates and got my issues straight for once, and I'm ready. I got to vote while the spirit's on me. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm exercising my franchise. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's a fine woman. Fine woman. Well, what are you children staring at? I'd have driven her down there. Only I haven't got any gas. None to speak of. Don't you see, if the judge doesn't vote and I don't vote, it comes out even, just the same, doesn't it? Marjorie, go upstairs and write a letter or something, will you? You make me nervous. I'm going. Don't worry. Only wish I were 21, that's all. <laughs> well, Leroy? I didn't say anything. I know. It's not like you. Go play in the cellar or something, will you? I'd like to be alone. Can I use your saw? Anything. Only don't stand around there watching me. Okay, I got an idea for a super machine gun. 
Don't saw any nails. Yes, yes. What a day. Rain, rain, rain. If it had been a decent day, it would have been different. Be glad to vote. A day like this, a man could catch cold. Little Leroy. Leroy! That's the last time he uses my saw. Uh, front door. Uh, I wonder who that is. Excuse me, you want the boss? Oh, yes, come in, quickly. Yeah, I just wiped the feet. Uh, hurry up, it's wet. Oh, <laughs> those are my pants. All cleaned and pressed. I covered with newspaper so it doesn't get wet. Oh, well, fine. <laughs> Thank you. How much is that? It's 75 cents. Uh, see if I got it here. Quite a day, isn't it? Oh, it's a fine day. Huh? Well, a little rain, but who cares? You know something? Today I'm an American. Oh, you mean you're a citizen? Oh, I got my citizen papers eight months ago. But today, for the first time, I vote. Oh. It's a great thing, you know, to vote. Yeah, I guess it is. Sure. In the country I come from, nobody votes. There a man doesn't even open his mouth. And why? He's afraid. Here, nobody is afraid. He votes, so I vote. Well, that's fine. Sure, six o'clock this morning I vote. Maybe it rains a little. What do I care? They open the polls, I'm the first man in. The first man in Summerfield to vote. That's me, Morden. Uh, what'd you say your name was? Well, uh, my real name, it's a little difficult. Uh, Megunin. Who can say that? So I choose a nice American name, Morgan. What was wrong with Rockefeller? Uh, Rockefeller, uh, that's a little hard for some people to say, too. What's the difference? My friends call me Leo, so that's how I vote. Leo Morgan. You know, I'm so excited. I walk in there and I say, good morning, I've come to vote. So they say, just a minute, what is your name? Like I was a foreigner or something. So I say, Leo Morgan, I'm a citizen. So then they look in a big book and I'm getting worried. Maybe they forgot me. Maybe I didn't do something I should. Oh, I'm so worried. And then what do you think? I'm in the book. Great. Yeah, me, Morgan. <laughs> me, Morgan, I'm in the book. So I sign my name. I did I did I. And the gentleman, he gives me a big ballot all my own, and he takes me to a little, uh, like a little room. Uh, a booth. Uh, that's right, a booth. All by myself. Nobody else. It's fine. The gentleman <laughs> says to me, take your time. I say, thank you very much. And he pulls the curtain so I won't be bothered. Such privacy. I'm not used to it. At home, we used to sleep far in a room. So, uh, I'm all alone in there. I did, I did, I. <laughs> I take my time and I look over my ballot and I vote. Maybe I didn't vote right, but I voted. And whoever gets elected, that's my president. Well, Morgan, by George, you're all right. Sure, I'm all right. And I'll tell you another thing. This country is all right. Hey, Al. Oh, oh, Leroy. Uh, come here, my boy. You know Mr. Uh, Morgan here? Oh, hi. <laughs> Your boy? Uh, he's my nephew. Fine boy. He'll be voting too one of these days, huh? Uh, yes, I suppose so. Yeah, I got a son, a Gregory, a Gregor, a little younger. He goes to school. Gregory? I know him. He's in the 4A, a little punk. Yeah, a little punk. Yeah, I know him. That's my Gregory. Well, I, I should be leaving. I talk too much. Oh, not at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, 
I'm very glad you dropped in, Mr. Oh, I get so excited, I forget the pants. Here. Oh, yes, thanks. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, Goodbye. What's the matter, Ronk? Uh, nothing, Leroy. I wonder if you'd be good enough to run upstairs to my room and get my car keys. Sure. You going someplace, Unc? Yes, Leroy. I'm going to vote. Yikes! Can I go with you? I don't see why not. Hey, wait. What about Judge Hooker? Hooker? What about him? Well, you made a deal, didn't you? Are you going to tell the judge you're voting? There's an old saying, Leroy, invented by Judge Hooker. Quote, all's fair in love and politics. Unquote. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a character. <laughs> hey, Floyd, close up the barbershop and get in the car. I'll take you to the polls. I'm still voting for Artie Welch, you know. I don't care if you're voting for McKinley. Come on and vote. <laughs> Come on, fold up your umbrella, Phoebe, and get in. Yes, thank you, Mr. Gildersleeve. By the way, I'm voting for... I don't care, Phoebe. This is a nonpartisan patriotic bus service. Here we go. Put on your old gray bonnet with the blue ribbon on it And we're here so down into the Well, here's my ballot, Mrs. Farquhar. Do uh, I have to fold it? Yes, Mr. Gildersleeve, right up to the dotted line. Oh, yes. Well, thank you. Well, I feel like a citizen. Uh, you know, Mrs. F., I pulled a fast one on Judge Hooker. He and I were going to vote opposite ways, so I made a deal with him that neither of us would vote. Oh, you shouldn't do that. No good citizen would. I know that, Mrs. Farquhar, but all's fair in love and politics. Besides, if I'm patriotic and the judge isn't, well, eh, just too bad. Don't worry about the judge's patriotism. He voted at nine o'clock this morning. <laughs> Why, that double-crosser, he isn't patriotic. He's just a crook. Ladies and gentlemen, the returns aren't in yet. I may have to push a peanut up State Street with my nose. <laughs> but at least I voted. You know, there are people in this world who haven't the chance to vote. They know that privilege, and they know what it's worth. Here in this country, we're inclined to take it for granted. But now that the Japs and the Germans are trying to take that right away from us, look at how this country is willing to fight for it. Well, if it's worth fighting for, it's worth going to the polls for Get out and vote on Tuesday, and don't let anything stop you. Good night. Music on this program was directed by Claude Sweet. This is Ken Carpenter speaking for the Kraft Cheese Company, makers of Parquet Margarine on a complete line of famous quality food products. Kraft invites you to listen again next week at the same time for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve.
Stay tuned for Johnny Dollar next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Although this episode of Johnny Dollar was first broadcast in 1950, I found it kind of eerie that the case is entitled Mr. and Mrs. Trump. Well, I can assure you that the Donald is not involved in any way. Time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Johnny, how soon can you get out to Highbridge, North Dakota? North Dakota, huh? In the winter, you guys sent me to North Dakota and the summit of Miami, Florida. All right, what's your problem? We got two old duffers insured for a total of $80,000. What's the matter? Somebody threatening to kill them? No, they're threatening to kill themselves. Edmund O'Brien, in another of the adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office National Fidelity Life Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during investigation of your policyholders, Mr. and Mrs. Arbuthnot Trump, or how the grave diggers' spades came near being Trumps. Expense account item one, $113.52 railroad fare, Hartford, Connecticut, to Highbridge, North Dakota. As I walked towards the station in Highbridge, the wind whipped white shawls of snow out of the night and around me like a Spanish dancer, and the raw cold had my teeth acting like castanets. Inside the shack, I found a pot-bellied stove surrounded by a pot-bellied station master. Hello. Hello, hello. You our only customer? Well, I'm the only one got off the train. Can I, can I find a taxi around here? Yep. As soon as my son gets the mail and freight tucked away, he'll take you. Only won't be any taxi cab. You drive it wherever you're going in the pong. Uh, by the way, where are you going? To the Trump residence. You know it? Yep, I know it. Uh, you one of the family? No, just business. Oh. Well. Well, what? Uh, what is your business is none of mine. But, uh, have you ever been out there before? No, I haven't. Why, is something wrong? Well, if it ain't, then everybody in this town has been getting a lot of unnecessary exercise. Uh, jumping to conclusions. Well... Here comes the boy. He'll drive you over. Uh, Hickey! Yeah? Hickey, you got a customer for the pong. Wants to go out to Trump Place. That Trump Place? Hmm. Well, all right. But, mister, I'll only take you as far as the gate. This your first visit, huh? That right, Mr. Dollar? Yep, that's right. Hey, how much more we got to go? Oh, about another mile. It's cold, cold. Ooh, I'm freezing. Well, slap your arms around. Keep up circulation. Hey, does it always get this cold around here? Nope. Only in the winter. Uh, 
say, Hickey? Yeah. You mind answering a few more questions? No, no, many answers. You're welcome to those. What about this Trump place? Why is everybody around here scared of it? What is it, a haunted house? Nope. As far as I know, everybody out there is alive, all right. Matter of fact, I'd feel better if some of the things out there was dead. What do you mean? Well, past year or so, I've been delivering some packages out there. Boxes coming express on a train. Some of them come all the way from Africa. Quite a few from India, too. Hallmark, danger. Hallmark, do not open. Deadly. Whatever comes in those boxes is alive. What about the people, the Trumps themselves? Oh, they look nice enough. Sort on the old side. Old man Trump looks like a deacon. His wife looks like a deacon's wife. But they never seem to come to town, let alone church. Hey, that's funny. What's so funny? Well, look, they're on the road. Fresh auto tracks. Only one place to go out this way. Same place we're going. To the Trump house. I don't see anything wrong with that. Those folks never have no visitors. Now, it looks like they're having a lot. <laughs> hey, maybe they're having guests for dinner. That's right. Maybe they are having guests in for dinner. I didn't say in for dinner. I said maybe they're having guests for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's some funny joke, that is. Yeah. Well, here we are, right around the next bend. Good. I'll tell you what, Hickey, when I get ready for you to drive me back, I'll, uh, I'll give you a call on the telephone, huh? That'll be a good trick if you can do it. What do you mean? The Trumps, they don't have no telephone. Expense account item two, a buck and a half pun fare. Hybrid station to the gate of the Trump estate where the driver Hickey dumped me off. I used one of the fresh tire tracks as a footpath up the long driveway through the snow. And steaming the white flakes out of my eyes with my breath, I took inventory of the house sprawled on the crest of the slight rise. It was big, colonial, and in good repair. All rooms lighted downstairs. One room lighted upstairs. Near the front, the automobile tracks took off around to the back of the house. I had to make my own footsteps in the drifts from there to the front door. Quickly, quickly, don't let that cold in. Let's shut the door. Now, who are you? What do you want? What are you doing here? I'm Johnny Dollar from the insurance company. As to what I want, well, I want to see Mr. and Mrs. Trump. As to what I'm doing here, I'm just the victim of a bad choice of careers early in life. Well, all right. Take a seat over there. I'll go check with Mr. and Mrs. Trump. But don't bother taking your coat off yet. So this is Northern Hospitality. Coming in out of the cold makes any house seem warm. But my overcoat started to steam about ten seconds after I got inside this one. So did I. And looking around, I saw the reason. There were potted orchids growing all over the hallway, and orchids grow only in tropical warmth. Despite the invitation not to, I took off my overcoat and waited. After ten more minutes, I felt like slipping out of my suit, a decision I didn't have time to make. They're just finishing dinner, Mr. Dollar. They suggest you join them for coffee. Follow me. Thanks. Mrs. Trump. Mr. Trump, this is Mr. Dollar. How do you do? How are you, Mrs. Trump? Won't you join us? 
Yes, it's right over there. Yes, Mr. Dollar, come and sit down. Have some coffee. Oh, thank you. Yes, now that'll be all over when you may leave. Well. Fine. Now, sugar and cream, Mr. Dollar? Uh, no, thank you, Mrs. Trump. This will be all right just the way it is. Well, Mr. Dollar, I assume you've got the necessary papers? Yes, yes, I did. They're, uh, they're in my pocket already for your signatures. Good, good. We'll sign them right away. Well, I, I was hoping you wouldn't sign them. At least until I've had a chance to talk to you about it. Talk to? What is there to talk about? I hope you understand that, well, it isn't every day that an insurance company gets a letter from a pair of policyholders calmly stating that they are both planning to commit suicide. Oh, no? No. Well, well, I suppose it is a bit out of the usual run of things, but there's nothing we can do about it. Now, goodness, we checked with our lawyers. And he said we were perfectly within our rights. Well, granted, you've had the policy a long, long time, and the suicide clause is no longer in effect. However, well, frankly, the company did send me out here in the hope that while I was arranging the change of beneficiary you requested, I could also talk you into changing your mind. Mr. Dollar, you might just as well save your breath. Our minds are made up. Mrs. Trump is right, Mr. Dollar. As soon as we get those change of beneficiary papers signed, we intend to dispose of ourselves. Well, I... And furthermore, young man, within the past 48 hours, we have had ourselves thoroughly examined by a board of extremely well thought of alienists who signed documentary proof that we are both perfectly safe. Mm -hmm. So there is nothing you can do to stop us in that direction. But why? Why do you want to do this? Now, you you don't look unhappy. Oh, we're not. We've had an extremely happy life, haven't we, Mr. Trump? Indeed, we have, Mrs. Trump. And that's just it. You see, Mr. Dollar, we both feel that having enjoyed such a beautiful life, we owe the world something. And finally, we have evolved a method of paying our debts. In doing what we intend to do, we shall leave to the world the beginning of a new humanity. What's the matter with the old one? Nothing. But it is doomed to extinction. Mr. Dollar, just think for yourself. Atom bombs, hydrogen bombs, biological warfare... And don't forget the flying saucers, Mr. Trump. Don't forget, indeed. Unknown objects hurtling through space, interplanetary traffic, dear, dear. A prelude to invasion and destruction. Now, now, wait a minute. How do you know? Who told you? Mr. Dollar, Mr. Trump knows these things. He was a professor for many years, and he reads, reads, reads all the time. He knows, he knows all that. <laughs> Would you mind pouring me some some of that coffee, Mrs. Trump? Not at all. There. Thank you. Mr. Trump, granted we're all doomed for extinction, how's knocking yourself off going to help? If you just stick it out, you'll not only enjoy a bit more time alive, but you'll also be around to see the fireworks. You will notice, Mr. Dollar, that we are changing the beneficiary in our policies from our niece, Miss Hope Selden, to the young man who let you in here tonight, Mr. Irwin Hopper. Yes, I noticed that. And I also noticed that this young man isn't even related to you. Now, what's that all about? My Hope is a frivolous girl. She laughed at us. We tried to tell her what's happening. Irwin is a serious-minded young man who will use the money brought to this household by our passing to make the down payment on a new human race. 
Mrs. Trump, do you happen to have any brandy around? Later, Mr. Dollar, later. You want to know why and how? Well, come along. We'll show you. The nightmare is bad enough when you're asleep, but I was awake. And that's when they're really frightened. They took me down through the back of the house to a winding, half-lighted stairway into the belly of the black hole. The oppressive heat grew even more oppressive. More stairs, then tunnels. All the ceilings cement and lined with lead. All the walls covered with pens and cages, and all of them filled with... Snakes, Mr. Dollar. Reptiles, hundreds of them. Every species, every variety known to modern man. Look at them. Look at them and look at them well, for here is the new beginning. When life as we know it is blasted off the face of this earth, either by man himself or by his planetary cousins, when that happens, then these shall be the inheritors of this global sphere, as they were in the beginning, according to the Meston theory as set down in 1903. Yes, Mr. Dollar, Mr. Trump knows these things, don't you see? No, I've got to admit I don't quite see. You will. There, look, every pen, every cage is equipped with an automatic feeding device. Stored above the cages is enough scientifically developed food to keep these reptiles alive for a hundred years, if need be. Until the Holocaust, they will be cared for by young Harper. I could use an old Harper myself. When the Holocaust comes, Erwin Harper shall survive as long as possible. Then the machines will take over. The reptiles will be fed, and when the recording devices up on top say that the radioactivity and magnetic forces have been dissipated, the doors of the cages leading to the earth above shall be automatically projected outdoors, and the cycle shall be complete. Then the reptiles will be set free on the face of the earth to once again evolve themselves into the new humanity. I see. Now look, Mr. Trump, I'm out here to ask you a very simple question. What's all this got to do with your committing suicide? That is easily answered, Mr. Dollar. We need money. We need a lot of money to buy the rest of the equipment. We are willing to give up the little that is left of our lives to provide it. Irwin will remain behind to put our money to good use. Mr. and Mrs. Trump, I don't question your motives, but you can't blame me for taking a second look at your methods. This man springing from reptile theory is flimsy enough, but that's your opinion and you're entitled to it. What you're not entitled to, and I'm quoting the Bible and the law, is the act of taking your own lives. We've talked that over among us, and we are willing to take our chances. All right. But at least you'll agree this is a whole lot to take in one sitting, isn't it? Now let me bring these papers back in the morning. We can talk it over once more, and then you're free to go ahead and sign it. Well, time is short, but I don't think a few hours will matter. Do you agree, Mrs. Trump? Yes, I agree. Good. Now, uh, if you'll be kind enough to either let me have a car or have somebody drive me into town, I... Car? We have no car. We haven't had one for months, and we've borrowed them from the property. Hasn't been one past the gate for almost a year. Oh? Including tonight? Yes, of course, including tonight. You just have to stay here. Yes. Come now. 
We'll take you up to your room, Mr. Dollar. What you need is a good night's sleep. I'd have had a better night's sleep on a tightrope. My room had the same sticky, hot air that filled the rest of the house. It may be great for snakes and orchids, but I'll take my steamings at a Turkish bath. I stretched out on the bed, turned off the lamp, and closed my eyes. But for 20 straight minutes, I could still see ghost automobiles and snakes and more snakes. I kept my eyes closed as much as I could because when they were open, I could see on the wall the serpentine shadows of the tree branches outside. At least I hoped that's what they were. Then, just as I was hoping the hardest that the realest of them all wasn't what it looked like, out of the blackness from across the room I heard... I reached down under the bed for a shoe. Not much of a weapon, but all I could think of at the moment. Then I snapped on the lamp and saw it. It had plenty of coils, all right, but it was strictly non-venomous. The steam radiator standing there, hissing my performance. But my nerve ends didn't even have a chance to lie down. They were still standing straight up when it happened. I was out of bed, across the room, and out into the hall in slightly more time than it takes to tell. The ray of light from my open door fell across a jumbled pile of beautiful young woman. I bent over her and... in the driveway with my own eyes. I walked in one of them. All right. Look out the window, Mrs. Trump. No, I don't see any tracks. Do you see any footprints? No, nothing. Just snow. Okay. At least you know I walked up that driveway, right? And my footprints are covered up. So it's been snowing. The wind has been blowing. It's been drifting. Now I suppose you're going to tell me you didn't hear the girl scream. Come, come now, Mr. Dollar. You were having a nightmare. No girl scream. Well, if you didn't hear anything, what are you doing out here? What brought you? Young man, we have a right to be wherever in our own home we choose to be. But I might as well tell you, I 
found you when I started through the kitchen to get some crackers and warm milk. I found you lying here. Yeah, everyone's lying around here. Yeah. Young man, that does it. Once we get those papers signed, I'm afraid we shall have to ask you to leave. That's all right with me. They're here in my room. Come on. The way some people stand in the way of the few others who are making a genuine effort to sustain some kind of life on Yes, Mr. Trump, you're absolutely right. You'll find a pen there on the table. Your papers are right here on my... Hey. Yes, Mr. Dollar? The papers are gone. How can they be gone if you brought them at all? We warn you, Mr. Dollar, we will not stand for any more of your dilly-dallying. We want those papers, and now. We are determined to sign them immediately. Suddenly, that has become my fondest hope. Now, do us all a favor. Go back to bed and give me a chance to do a little walking in your sleep. <laughs> I'm looking for a girl, and I'll admit this is a very unlikely place to find her. I'll thank you to get out of my bedroom. Do you realize how suspicious you look just lying there in bed? What do you mean? Well, I mean that about 15 minutes ago, a woman screamed at the top of her lungs not 20 feet from here. Now, what's your story? That you didn't hear it? Or does it happen around here all the time? You're crazy. I didn't hear any woman scream, and I don't think you did. Okay, have it your way. I'm hearing things. But one thing I know, I'm not feeling things. See here? There's a lump on my head. That's for real. That doesn't interest me a bit. If I find out you put it there, it'll interest you. I'll not only put an egg on your skull, I'll make a whole omelet. In case you don't know it, you're looking at a citizen who's burned up. M-A-D. Mad. From there, I started through the rest of the rooms in the house. I thought I knew who I was looking for. The only person I could think of who would profit by seeing those papers not signed. The present beneficiary of the Trump policy, their niece, Miss Hope Selden. All I could find in the next six bedrooms was a lot of old-fashioned furniture. I was just looking under the bed in the last when the wind outside took on a new note. I ran back to my own room, flung open the window and stuck my head out into the blizzard trying to get a look in the direction of the noise. I wasn't taking any chances on that kicker finally sparking the automobile into life before I had a chance to see who was in it. I swung my feet over the sill and dropped the one story into a high drift. Come on. Come on. Oh, darn it. Wasting your time. Around here, people only go for sleigh rides. What do you want? Who are you? You should know. You had your hand in my coat pocket earlier tonight. Of course, unfortunately, I wasn't in the coat, but something else was. And I want it back. If I took anything out of your pocket, I had plenty of reason. And plenty of right to do it. The only one I want taking things out of my pocket is the cleaner when he's spilling out the tobacco crumbs. Now, come on, give me those papers. No, just let me talk to you first. I want you to hear my side of things. Look, I'm freezing. If it takes more than five seconds for you to say what you got to say, no dice. Well, then let's go back in the house. I know you'll believe me. I saw plenty about her to interest me, but nothing to relax me. She looked like a, well, a big-time operator. A gal who would be as dangerous kissing you as killing you. As I closed the door behind us, 
She walked across the room and made a perfectly natural movement as though to throw open her coat. When she turned, she had a gun in her hand. It was the first time I'd ever seen a shoulder holster on a woman. Now put your hands up, Mr. Dollar, and listen. Uh-huh. If you'll just unwrap your finger from around that trigger, I'll be more likely to keep my mind on what you're saying. Go ahead. I'm listening. You've got to help me. Help you? Yes, help me prevent my aunt and uncle from making fools of themselves. We can't let them leave their money to Irwin Harper. Unless their money... They're attempting to do what they, well, what they believe is right. That money is mine, and I'll kill anyone to get it. Erwin Harper won't stick around five minutes after my aunt and uncle have killed themselves. He isn't planning on taking care of their filthy snakes. I was in his room tonight after he went to sleep. In his pocket, I found a ticket for South America. His plans were all made. He caught me in there and chased me out in the hall and slugged me. When I came to, you were lying there unconscious beside me. I ran downstairs, and I fixed their scheme. I threw the switch to release their stinking reptiles. By now, the snakes are all outside, freezing to death. Don't move. You don't want to... You... So now you know. Both. You know what that means? I'll have to kill you both, and I'll get away with... Why, you miserable hunk of putty, you conniving thing! No. The Trumps want me to have their money, not you. I worked out that whole plan for them, all of it. And I'm the one they want to take care of it. Now drop that gun, Hope! You'd better drop it, Hope. It doesn't make any difference anyway. What do you mean it won't make any difference? Because our friend over there isn't going to pull the trigger. Oh, no? Then why not? Because Hope has released all those snakes. One thing she forgot. When snakes get cold, they try to get warm. And one of them just joined the party. He's right behind you, Irwin. I don't believe you. You're bluffing. Can't you hear him? You can't fool me. That's a steam radiator in this house. They're all noisy. Irwin, if you make any kind of a move or fire that gun, he's going to strike. I'll make you a deal. Let me reach down and get that gun off the floor. I'll blast its head off. Careful. Don't move, Irwin. No, you don't. I know what you want that gun for. I wouldn't even turn around and look, Irwin. Not only going to move, I'm going to get that gun out of your reach. There was a snake. Look out, look out, he's on the loose. Oh, he jumped me! The Bushmaster! The worst of them all! Well, you've got the gun, go on! Shoot him! Howard, shoot him! All right, That's for him. But you're not staying behind me to get your. This is for Mrs. Arbuthnell Trump were fresh out of beneficiaries to say nothing of snakes. The only one that had found his way back into the warmth of the house was the one I'd mistaken for a steam radiator. And without a handy method for creating a new humanity, the Trumps found themselves without a purpose. So I gave them one. At my suggestion, and at the moment, Mr. T is hard at work in his home laboratory attempting to develop a machine with which mankind will fight the flying saucer. Mr. Trump's invention will be known as the Flying Cup and will be secretly dedicated to a waitress I once knew. Expense account, 
Item 3, $113.52 railroad fare, Highbridge, North Dakota, to Hartford, Connecticut. Expense account total, $763.90. You may say this doesn't add up, but neither does anything else about this case. Signed, yours, uh, truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Paul Dudley and Gil Dowd with music by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can currently be seen starring in Harry M. Popkins' United Artists production, D.O.A., Featured in our cast were Peggy Weber, Harley Bear, Hugh Thomas, Dick Ryan, Jess Kirkpatrick, and Mary Ship. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. Join us again next week when Edmund O'Brien returns in another adventure of Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Jesse James, a modern story of how police tracked down a couple of train robbers, will be brought to you on CBS's Gangbusters this Saturday night. The narrator will be the superintendent of Metropolitan Police, Washington, D.C., and another Gangbusters wonderful cast will reenact this true story for you. Join us this Saturday night on most of these same CBS stations for Gangbusters drama, The Echo of Jesse James. This is Roy Rowan speaking. This is CBS, where yours truly, Johnny Dollar, meets adventure every Friday night. The Columbia Broadcasting System. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, Sergeant Joe Friday will be here on Dragnet, followed by our Miss Brooks. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.